Hello, this is the Donald calling. You're welcome. PK, there's OK Blue, there's OK Red. I've even seen Sleepy Joe wear pink jackets, but green jackets are the best. They're money. Love green jackets. <laughs> Who is that, Yak? That was Lane. We had to go, Lane. In a while, so good to hear from you again, Lane. Green jackets are the best. There it is. <laughs> That's funny. All right, coming up here in a minute, Joe Ingles is going to join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The color of the night for the Jazz, that was, that was gold, right? Green and gold. He's talking Jordan Clarkson over there on the side. That was a... Uh, okay, gotcha. That yeah. was quite the bright, shiny outfit. <laughs> Not everyone can pull well, that off. He likes to be understated, obviously. Clearly. <laughs> Shorts, no less. <laughs> hey, whatever works. <laughs> Not even summers. I want that job where you make millions and show up to to work with shorts. Done. Sign him up. <laughs> nice win without him, for sure. Jazz take down the Blazers and their two-game losing streak. And assuming that LeBron is out, which they haven't announced, but doing the math, it looks like LeBron will be out. And if LeBron and AD aren't playing for the Lakers, the Jazz are going to be favored in their next 10 games. The next time they wouldn't be the favorite would be the uh, Suns at the end of the month. So Jazz pick up a game on Phoenix because Phoenix lost to the Clippers last night. So Jazz get out of that difficult week with a two-and-a-half game lead in the West. All right, time to— All right, time to welcome in Joe Ingles. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, where your future is our future. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe, and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz, Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, you are the man. Thank you for always taking care of me. I appreciate all of your hard work. You're welcome. I've always asked, have a good game, win the night before you come on. You're in a better mood. It's easier to joke around. It's not good to be joking around when you're coming off a loss and all that. <laughs> so I know there were losses early in the week, and they pained a lot of Jazz fans, but you focused on my needs, and for that I'm very grateful. I just figured if we dropped a couple, if we're going to lose, we're obviously going to lose a couple towards the, like, for the rest of the year. So I figured if we lost the early ones and won the one before the, game, the radio, it would be perfect. There you go. You're the man. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> yes, like we Quinn appreciate not. it. <laughs> yeah, like Quinn, no. That would be a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I love, Joe, 13 FGAs? What are you, Jordan Clarkson? Are you going to show up in gold shorts the next game? <laughs> I will not be doing anything Jordan Clarkson does like that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it was – got a – I got a few good looks early that I missed every one of them and then obviously got some more later on. And so, as always, if they're, if they're there, I'm going to take them. I'm not going to 
take the bad ones, but I'll I'll take them. And obviously with obviously with JC out um, again, kind of same with Mike or when I've been out or Donovan or whoever it's been. There's a little bit more opportunity for for guys to step up a little bit. So we all had to play um, a little bit kind of role, and glad um, we got the win. So we've been over this a million times, and I know you hate it when we go over it a million and one, but I think when opposing coaches see the most, the guy who's leading the NBA in effective field goal percentage only take two or four shots, they're probably a little relieved. And I get that the guiding principle with your offense is the ball goes to the open man because the best shot is the uncontested shot. And really the only time you guys get away from that, there are times that Donovan Mitchell or Jordan Clarkson will go one-on-one and will take a contested shot. But largely that's the guiding thing. And so I get why there are games where you don't shoot a lot. But given how effective you are, I wonder how much thought is giving to creating options because teams are choosing not to leave you for long stretches of games sometimes. You know, they, they've made it a priority. Hey, we're not letting this guy get open. So what about trying to do something to create open shots for you? I assume there have been those conversations uh, with either Quinn or assistants or a combination of all of them. How do they go? What's the thinking there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it is a tough one because, I mean, you guys know me and I've said it a million times, like you said, like I'm not going to take bad shots. I'm not going to um, force shots. Um, just because I feel like I, I haven't had enough or I want to shoot more or whatever the reasoning could be. Um, I mean, I do know at times um, probably more myself. I can be more aggressive at, at certain times when I um, I think it's people probably think and look when someone's out, I look more aggressive. The fact of the matter is, is when someone's out, I... Like it's, I mean, if Mike's out, yeah, I'm going to have the ball more. If JC's out, yeah, I'm going to have the ball more. It's just kind of common sense. Um, so there is more opportunities for that. There's, there's definitely times um, with our full roster, I can be a little bit more aggressive or picking, kind of pick and choose my times, I guess. Um, but it's, I mean, it's tough too. I'm not going to. If Rudy rebounds the ball and Mike and I are standing kind of next to him, I'm like, I'm going to take off and let Mike carry the ball he's our point guard that's what we traded for him to do um, same with Donovan same with JC there's a lot of guys in our team that can handle the ball and um, I think like I said there's, there's definitely times I can probably be more aggressive um, if I rebound like if I I mean I've never been the best rebounder in the world or I usually kind of let the big kind of sort it out or, or whatever be down there and when I see Rudy going for it, get out of the way so I don't get taken out. Um, but if I get the rebound, it's, it's obviously me starting the break and then I can kind of be aggressive off that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to shoot 15 shots a game every game, but that's not the way um, our team's constructed. Obviously, we've got Donovan, who's going to take majority of them. Boyan's going to get his. Mike's going to get his. JC's kind of going to get his. Those are our four guys that are pretty consistently going to get the looks. Um, which I feel like I create a lot of those looks as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's that kind of, I guess, a fine line of each game figuring it out. Um, 
like I said, when I can be aggressive and, and when it's time to, to move the ball and get someone else a shot. In the NBA, Joe, you got games coming at you fast and furious, particularly this season. I think it's uh, like 16 games in 30-day stretch in the month of April. So you got to take them all for what they're worth. But I'm wondering, do you guys get a little more excited for any of these games? Like this Phoenix game seemed like it was a big game. And I, I guess it was, but the Suns are right back where they were uh, Wednesday as far as still being two and a half games back because you beat Portland and they lost to the Clippers. So can you get into anything maybe a little bit more exciting or you just got to roll with it because you still got all these games to go? Yeah, I think uh, I think someone said last night we've got like 21 games in 37 days or something to finish the year or whatever. Yeah. Give or take. Um, so, I mean, every game's exciting. It's what we do for a job. It's what we love to. It's why we why we do this job because we obviously really enjoy the the competitive side of it and winning and um, and all that all that kind of comes with it. Playing in front of fans, all that stuff that's that's combined into one. Um, so I think every game's just as exciting whether you're playing the the last seed in the East or the the top or or whatever. So. Um, uh, I think you know, I mean, uh, we've, we've got a smart group. Guys know, yeah, we realise we're, we're top. We realise Phoenix is exactly whatever game's behind. Uh, the, Clippers the, the Clippers and the Lakers are always going to are always going to be up there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's you don't want to, I don't want to say we take more games kind of more serious than others or anything like that, but... Every game's important, and, and what we've focused on this year, and I think we've done a really good job of it, is is more ourselves and the, the way we want to be playing come the playoffs. So, yeah, it would have been great to win Phoenix that game in overtime. It's a good game. It felt like a playoff game, the, the competitiveness and the intensity of it. But we lost. We I think we learned some good things out of it. We come and bounce back against a, a really good... Um, Portland team that's been that's been playing really well too. Um, so yeah, I mean it's like it's frustrating to lose those games that are close and that you feel like you you could have won or you could have done something more. But um, like you said, the games the games are coming so quick right now that we got on the plane right after the game, got in at two a.m., had a little nap, took the kids to school, and we were back at the the facility ready getting ready for the next game. So. Um, it's, it's going to be like that the rest of the year. We, like I said, we, I mean, we play tomorrow, and then we've got a back-to-back followed by another back-to-back. So, um, yeah, just kind of focusing more on ourselves, trying to get better and better, um, trying to implement things in certain games that we'll need in the playoffs. We can not not using certain teams, but there's certain players that you can. There's certain picking uh, pick and pop bigs that we can. We know we might see with Anthony Davis or Jokic or whoever that might be in the, the playoffs. So, um, yeah, little things you can do, but yeah, just just game by game and, and keep getting better is what we've focused on all year. So you get out rebounded in Phoenix by I don't know sixteen or seventeen boards. It was a lot, and then you turn around and do the exact same thing to Portland. Is that something that you guys just know because you can all look at a box score and that's it? Does Quinn mention something? Does Quinn mention something and show you a bunch of video of where you can do better? How how does in a twenty four hour turnaround how does that happen? 
but the best thing is when you lose on a back-to-back, you don't really have to watch film of that game the night before. <laughs> so you can kind of just um, kind of move on to that next game. Obviously, again, like you said, like we know when we have done something not well, whether it be individually or as a team, like out and they scored off it or I had an opportunity to shoot a three and I didn't and we had a turnover or whatever the situation is. Um, there was times we were like Rudy and Faye were contesting a lot more of Booker's and Chris Paul's mid-range which put us in rotations a little bit and the guards were coming down and trying to hit eight which if you're a second late he's seven foot with a whatever, seven, six, seven, eight wingspan. So it's hard to, to out-jump someone like that um, when, they're, when they're in position. So um, it, I guess it's one of those ones where it didn't really need to be said. I think we, we knew what we, we didn't do. Um, and I guess the matter of fact is too, is like when we, when we do rebound and when our guards rebound, we're, we're a really good team because we can get out and run. And that's what we do best. We... We've run, we've got guards that can run, we've got bigs that can run, we shoot threes. Misses if we miss it, um, and it's where we kind of thrive as a team. So, um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't, I mean, it was still obviously brought up, but it wasn't something that we needed to be screamed at over. I think, uh, like I said, as a smart veteran group, I think it's, it's it's very easy to know when we're we're not doing something that we know we should be. How much sleep then did you get before the Portland game? Uh, a few hours, a couple of hours. <laughs> um, we got in at two or three. I think it was about three, like two thirty-three. Got up at seven. Took uh, both my kids to school and let Renee hang out with Jack and. Um, Jack had an appointment yesterday at the pediatrician, so she did that with him. And then I think I had about a 45 to an hour nap in the afternoon. Um, so like, I don't know, five or six hours or something. So it was all good. It become mental at that point to just power through it? Uh, I mean, I'm not complaining one bit about sleep when Renee's up all night with Jack or the twins, and I usually... She's uh, very, very amazing at letting me spike tonight. We'll obviously have a very early night tonight. Uh, we both will have a very early night, but um, she does much, much more of the heavy, heavy lifting overnight and stuff with the kids. So when there's an opportunity for me to get up and um, take one of the kids or both the kids to school, um, I, I try to do it to, to help her out. So... Um, I can't say that I have the tough job with the the family side of things because she uh, she definitely definitely carries the load with that. So um, if it's a a night of less sleep, then I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain one bit. So I have seen a lot of teams over the years playing back to backs. You get to late in the third quarter, and that's when the fatigue really hits. That's when they're a step slow, and that's when they get beat. And I've seen it happen to jazz teams, not just your generation, but other generations of jazz teams on the road. And I've seen it happen to a ton of teams coming in here and playing at elevation. So it was especially surprising to me to see you guys blow the game open in the third quarter. 40-19. to It was so impressive, and I really didn't expect it at all. It caught me completely off guard. 
What do you attribute that to? Because it really does seem like an outlier in the NBA to be on a back-to-back after an overtime against a quality opponent, and you blow the next opponent out in the third quarter. The coach said at halftime that he really wanted to impress DJ and PK. Uh, radio okay, that's good. Good. <laughs> so I thought I was getting in Quinn's. I thought I was getting in Quinn's head with some of my post-game questions, so I can see why that would happen. He said, uh, "We really want to make them proud, so let's go on a little run here." And um, it was actually funny you said that because after the game, I said to uh, I can't remember who I was talking. To. I was talking to someone after the game, and I was like, I remember looking up at the third. Obviously, it was close at halftime. I think it was one point or one or two points, whatever. And I looked up in the third quarter at some point. I don't know what the timing of it was. And I was like, oh, man, we're like, we're only up a couple of points. Like, it feels like we're playing, like, reasonably well at the start of the quarter. And then I, we went up and down or whatever for a few possessions. And I looked back up and we were up, like, 22. And I was like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> like, I don't even remember. I didn't, I haven't watched the game or anything either. So I don't really know what happened. But obviously, we were getting stops and we were scoring. Um, is the obvious thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, we, I don't think we shot, incredibly well in the first half but we were obviously playing well we, we was like I said it was a close game um, we, we did talk about at half time just coming out kind of ready and we knew that they would kind of probably want to make a push as well it's what you were saying but vice versa of that like they know we're on a back to back they know we got in late um, all those things so even more of a reason to them to, to, to push the ball and get stops and, and try and um I guess fatigue us a little bit more, but um, yeah, I think we did a, a really good job of executing and um, just kind of doing what we wanted to do to to, uh, to obviously get that lead. I didn't didn't realize it was forty to nineteen, but we'll uh, we'll take it. So when you get teed up, does that mean you got to be quiet the rest of the game? <laughs> Everyone kept saying. Like, leave him alone, leave him alone. You've already, like, now you've already got one. I was like, I'm not leaving him alone because they obviously missed that and it really annoyed me at that time. Um, <laughs> the, the the best part is that I said to the one, uh, I'm not sure his name, the one that I thought he missed when I laid it up. Um, and he, and I think it was Ennis in at the time, Ennis fouled me. Um, and I was like, I can't wait till you watch it at halftime and you have to come back and tell me like that you were wrong. And uh, he was like kind of smiling. Like To me, it looked like he was like, well, I wasn't wrong, so it doesn't matter. And then he came out at halftime and was like, yeah, my bad. I completely missed that. He hit you on the whole arm. And I was like, that's why I had the reaction I had. Like, I'm not just going to react for no reason. I knew I got fouled and... That's why, like, I don't know, I shouldn't have, I still shouldn't have let it affect me like it did because it cost me 2500 bucks or whatever it costs for a technical foul these days, but I was frustrated. So I'd missed all my shots before that. I was like, I'm about to get a nice, easy layup on Ennis, and then he fouled me and cost me 2500 Good time. <laughs> yeah, I was pissed at home, Joe. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not getting into this. I'm not taking another fine. I'll, I'll take my 2500 and move on. Okay. I got my money's worth, though. <laughs> yeah, good for you. I definitely got my money's worth. So, so given the fact that you played with and practice against Ennis Cantor, when he comes into a game, is it natural that all the Jazz players of that era know we've got to go at the hoop 
because we're either going to get a bucket or a foul here. Are you trying to say that he's not a good defender? He's not a good defender. I don't need to say it. Most people already know that. He can score and rebound. If he were a good defender, he'd be an all-star. You know, I mean, he's, stay, he's good or he wouldn't be in the league, but you know where, you know, the fatal flaw lies. No, yeah. I mean, I think um, with, with both their bigs, not saying that either of them are bad or good or whatever, but they both are back in the paint, very far back in the paint. So we, we obviously went when they were in. I think they went small for two stretches, one in the first half and one in the second half, um, which is I think we went when we went on our run when they went small in the in the third quarter, which obviously they got out of that. But obviously knowing that that Nurkic and, and Ennis are both so far back, we wanted to, to obviously use our fives with with Rudy and Fave and and play pick and rolls and use them to get the guards downhill. And like you said, then kind of a layup or a three really if they overhelp or or whatever. So um, I mean it's. You can say that about those guys, but yeah, I mean, it's it's with every team. It's what teams do to us. They put whoever Rudy's guarding on the on the strong side corner, so he can't protect the rim. Um, so everyone's obviously going in and game planning and, and figuring out what's the best way to win. And obviously, there's there's things with every team that that is a is a weakness that that um, people try and attack attack. Give us an update on the month of April with the autism auction that you got going on. Um, amazing. Well, a lot better than I thought. Um, I had a number in my mind that was probably just a rough idea because, again, you, I mean, you never exactly know how these things are going to go. And I was very obviously well aware of the pandemic and what we've been going through. So I understand financially as well that, that people that maybe would have been um, couldn't at this time. Um, so it's always a tough... <laughs> From our point of view, we want to do the right thing by trying to raise money to help these families and kids that need it. But um, also, obviously, like I said, very well aware of the, the pandemic and, and people that are, are struggling still um, with, with losing jobs or whatever it is. So um, it's going... The number I had in my head, we've doubled and nearly tripled. Um so I don't want to I don't want to jinx it too too much yet, but we've had two massive massive donations from people in um, around or well, in Utah actually both in Utah um, that isn't a part of the the auction items they just donated money itself um, which was unbelievable which one of them will be announced tomorrow today or tomorrow um, the auction item I'm about to when you guys leave me alone I'm going to post the auction item for today, which is maybe the best one we're going to have. It's top three for sure, but you it's not really an Australian um, item that people would want, but it is definitely an American fan favourite superstar. It's, a, it's pretty cool. When I, when I heard we could get one of these, um, even I got kind of excited. So jump on... The website charitybuzz.com um, and you can I think search Ingles or Ingles Auction um, but I'm about to post it any minute now when I get off with you guys and um, pretty cool one today so it's yeah it's going like I said way better than I kind of ever anticipated and um, very thankful for the, the people that have bidded on the stuff um, I got a couple guys on, on Twitter that were talking a little junk to, to bid because they were 
talking a bit of smack about Gordon's Haywood and said he would buy it just to, to donate it back or something like that. And I was like, well, you make sure you bid then. And he, and he went on a bid. So anyone and everyone that's, uh, that's bidded, thank you. Um, everyone who's won or will coming up, the, uh, every item's on there for 12 days. So the first ones are kind of coming to the end now. Um, but yeah, unbelievable. Um, we've still got a long way to go. Well, Joe is oh, always. You, you guys need to bid on today. You guys should bid on today's item. You guys would like it. All right, I'll take a look at it during oh, the break. Checking it out. Yeah, we'll check it out during right. the break. If you get a post right away, in ten minutes. Okay, we'll okay. do it. Awesome. All right, guys. All right. Well, we appreciate your work with autism. We appreciate you uh, telling Quinn that you have to win the night before you come on the air with us. Uh, we just appreciate <laughs> you all the way around. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Okay. Joe Ingles right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, a Masters update with Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio. And PK and I will keep an eye on the thing on the website, Charity Buzz, and uh, see what Joe posts and let you know if he uh, gets, uh, gets posted here in the next few minutes. Masters update next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Sam Amick with us from The Athletic, working on the free agency files, who's going to possibly be out there. Somebody on your list is Mike Conley. What kind of market might await him if he chooses to test it? Mike has made it real clear he wants to resign in Utah. The Jazz have a chance here with Mike to have, I think, a run at title contention for the next several years. It would seemingly be a no-brainer, but signing Mike to a big-time deal is going to put them deep into the luxury tax. That's the only if to me. I'm not hearing any noise as of yet about Mike looking at greener pastures. But that being said, it's free agency. The way he's shooting the ball, the way he's still showing that he can play at a high level, I think Mike certainly is going to get plenty of attention. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. This You Into Golf Masters update with Brian Taylor is brought to you by Mountain Land Supply, Zions Bank, Hoops Vision, Siegfried and Jensen, and Black Desert Resort. Now, here's Real Golf Radio's Brian Taylor. Time to welcome in Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. You hear him Saturday mornings with Bob Casper. They'll be on tomorrow morning on the Zone Sports Network. Getting you ready for round three of the Masters. Round two is underway. Brian, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you, man? I'm good. Are you having a better morning than Justin Rose? You know, we've seen Justin Rose jump in front on the Masters on uh, the first round lead a few times. and But yesterday's performance was something else. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable what he was doing. The golf course was honestly not that easy and he, and he was doing some different stuff. So, um, you know, not to take anything away, but he's kind of come back to earth a little bit and, and given it a lot back. Bob and I talked earlier this morning and I said, so uh, what do you think is going to happen? And he said, I think, I don't think it's going to be, the lead isn't going to be any lower than what it is after the first round. And I think everyone's going to bunch up. So, and I said, so you're thinking Justin Rose is coming back and but there's some good scores to be had out there. And he said, yeah. So that, that's kind of the, the pin placements are a little friendlier this morning. Um, the golf course is just perfect, and the weather conditions are, are scorable. So uh, it's, it's no surprise you're seeing you know, some guys like Bern Wiesberger and other guys jump out and, and uh, Mark Leishman and others that have, that have gotten off to a hot start early on the front nine. And Justin Rose is, you know, he was a question mark coming in, hadn't played a whole lot of golf, being off on a little bit of an injury and, 
Um, so, you know, I think maybe he came back to reality a bit. So Justin Rose is three over today through seven holes. He bogeyed the first, and uh, he's cost himself a couple more strokes here. So he's now four under. His four-shot first-round lead is down to one. You mentioned Wiesberger, who's who's second. I don't know anything about him. Tell me about him. He's he's in a group at three under in a four-way tie, and he's five under today through 12. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bern Wiesberger's a guy that's been playing out there for a long time. He's a Ryder Cupper. Um, let's see, how many Masters has he played in now? He has played in five Masters, and um, his best finish is tied for 22nd. You know, he's not exactly, you know, trending to be, you know, he's not getting better. In fact, he's, he's getting a little bit worse as, as the years go on. But, you know, he, he's a guy that's won out on the European Tour. He's, he's a good player. He's got a lot of distance, and he's just got it going right now. So uh, I wouldn't expect um, that you would know a whole lot about him, but, um, you know, seven seven wins on, on the European Tour and, and, and a good player, like I said, Ryder Cupper and such. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't I, – again, as we talked about yesterday with the way Justin Rose went about it, you don't win it on Thursday, but you could certainly shoot yourself out of it. And that's what I'm afraid of for guys like Rory McIlroy shooting four over – you know, in that first round, you just start to wonder how much is a little bit too far back uh, after the first round. See, you don't even need me here. You're, you're answering questions. That was my next question was, <laughs> you can lose it on Thursday. You can't win it. So did DeChambeau and Rory lose it at four over? Because there's a couple big names at two over, right? You got the, the defending champ, Dustin Johnson, was in that group. Uh, Bubba Watson, who's won there, is in that group. Uh, Brooks Kepka, and I know he's coming off the medical issues, so... Uh, maybe you don't expect him to win, win but at plus two, he's still got a, a chance. I would think the guys at plus two have a shot, but at plus four, have you dismissed guys already? Yeah, well, look, I mean, unless they do something like what, you know, um, Justin Rose did yesterday, if, if there's a 64 or 65 out there for one of those guys, they could jump themselves right back into the mix. Uh, it just doesn't feel like um, – that the guys at the top of the leaderboard right now are the guys that are that are set to win this thing, you know, um, at least not yet. Uh, I, I just don't, you know, even with Justin Rose being out there, you know, the guy is as a U.S. Open champion, but you know he has and he's finished runner up at, at the Masters, I think at least once, maybe twice. And so you you look at that and you say, okay, you know, maybe there's a guy that that, that can win this, but you know, Beesberger and Leishman, great players, Brian Harmon. Uh, good player. Matsuyama has had some success at Augusta. Will Zalatoris is in, uh, you know, he's, he's in rare air. He's a first timer. He doesn't even know what he's doing out there. Like he, his quote, by the way, was the best. He said, if I'm stupid enough to think I can play in this, why not be stupid enough to think I can win it? So I, I actually kind of like that. Uh, Webb Simpson, you know, B.A.S. and Hount, I don't even know that guy, to be honest with you. So, but there's a lot of guys at the top of the leaderboard that I'd go, you know, if a guy like Justin Thomas, you know, made a move today. A guy, even like the defending champ, DJ, if he made a move today, Shoffley, Rom, those guys at even par, I just feel like there's a lot, even though there's, there's a lot of shots between them and the lead, it's, there's not a lot of guys that I would say are unsurmountable. I guess if that, that's the way I'd answer it. And it's interesting that Bryson DeChambeau, the Bryson Ball experiment, doesn't seem to be working at Augusta. And sadly, Spieth, or not Spieth, but McElroy kind of, follow, kind of yep. followed Bryson down that path, and they're both they're both uh, at four over par. So um, c- kind of unfortunate for McElroy. I didn't think he needed to do that, but he did, and, and that's where it stands. So no, but look, Fino was at, what two over, and he eagled the second hole and got himself to even par. And so I mean, just like that, things can turn into Augusta. How would you feel about hitting your dad at Augusta? 
I would feel great about it. Because you were in the Masters. I'm in the Masters. My dad's watching me. How good is that? I mean, (laughs) that's every kid's dream, right? Uh, So you dismissed a lot of guys or kind of glossed over the guys who are 200 and 300. You listed a bunch of them. But Spieth has a birdie at number two today. He's out now, and he's a 200. Patrick Reed doesn't tee off till noon Mountain Time. He's a 200. Those guys seem to have the pedigree, the names, the reps that we would think they'd be in the mix. PK drafted Reed. I drafted Spieth in our three-round draft with Bob. And they're only two shots off the lead. So it's too early to have a favorite. But do you have a favorite? Well, I like Jordan Spieth. And the thing is, is nobody's ever won the Masters making a triple bogey. And that's what he Spieth did on nine when he got stuck in the trees. But I'm going to go ahead and turn that around and make it a positive, probably because I'm a Spieth fan. If I was describing Patrick Reed, I would just dismiss him because no <laughs> one's ever made it with a triple. But uh, I, the way Jordan turns in a one under par, he gets to red numbers, even with a triple. You know, he got a little lucky with the chip in on 15, but you know what? I, I just think that um, when, when a guy can hang in there, when a guy that has had the success that Jordan has had, you know, leading, what, eight, eight rounds or something like that in the last five years there at Augusta. I mean, he is he's phenomenal at Augusta. And so I think when a guy like that can have an unfortunate triple on the ninth hole his, on his first nine of the tournament – Let's not forget Tiger shot 40 in his opening nine in 97 and went on to set a record. So I think a guy like Spieth who knows and understands how to win and play Augusta National, despite the triple, I think he's a guy that you could look at that, that could come back and, and challenge these guys. And quite frankly, of those in the top ten, he would be, he'd be my favorite right now uh, if, if I had to pick one. Uh, Tony Finau has gone out and uh, gotten himself back to even par. He opened with a 74, uh, and he's – Played three holes today, and he eagled the par five number two. So he's even par. Uh, what do you think, Tony? Where does where does he need to be positioned to have a shot here? Yeah, I mean, look, just keep. I mean, he's he's right. He's he's in he's in contention right now. I mean, what does he set at eleven? I think currently tied, tied for thirteen with the updates. The thir- thirteenth. Yeah. Okay, so you know he he's right there. I mean, get yourself in the top ten going into the weekend. Remember, this is is this is one of those tournaments where the majority of the winners come from one of the last two groups. So Friday's a little bit of a shuffle day. Saturday is the ultimate moving day. Get yourself into position. I think if Tony can get around, she was 68 today and something similar to that tomorrow. I mean, he's right in there with, a, with an opportunity to win again. And I, I think if you were to honestly ask Tony, he'd say he's not playing his best golf, you know, this year, let alone this, this week so far. So I do think he has some opportunities out there. Uh, you know, he's got to keep going with the lag putting. I watched him make a nice par save on one today, you know, and then he made the putt for Eagle on two, which was a little above the hole. And, in fact, that was a little bit of a downhill left to rider, which has been kind of his bugaboo lately, and he made it. So uh, I, those are good signs. That gives you a lot of confidence uh, to start today. Tony has shown, you know, again, it, let, let's, just, just, let's just throw out November because it was a completely different, um, you know, g- golf course. But in his two April Masters, tied for fifth, tied for tenth, and the tie for tenth was his first time ever, and he did it on a broken ankle. So, you know, I, he, he was in the final group the last time it was in April. I think Tony loves this golf course and his game suits it. So I, I think he's got to go out and get at least a 68 today, though, to get himself into contention. I, I, DJ, I just think somebody's going to go out there. One of those guys, it might even be a McElroy, but – it's going to be one of those guys that's going to go fire a 65, 64 today and, and, and uh, just vault up the leaderboard. And, and Justin's already coming back for everybody, and he's still got the back nine to, to, to try to rectify that. But 
Uh, I just, you know, Xander Schauffele, John Rahm, um, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, I still think one of those guys is going to make a move today. So are you putting that these low scores that we didn't see yesterday and today strictly on the pin placements? A lot of it's not. I mean, that's 100%. Um, Augusta National absolutely controls that golf course with, with the, where they put the pins. I mean, they could make it impossible for anybody to make a birdie out there you know, if they wanted to. And you're seeing that on, you know, a great example is six today. Justin Rose, at this, it's up on that back right shelf, the par three. And it was there yesterday, but it's, it's closer to the front edge of that shelf. And Justin Rose missed it to the, to the fat side of the green, and he had to putt up that hill. It got within four or five feet of the hole, lost speed, turned around and rolled all the way back to his feet, and he had to do it again and ended up uh, you know, hitting it past about eight feet and making it for a bogey, almost four-putted. So th- those are the kind of things that can happen. you know. But at the same time, like that was a tough pin, but three is very gettable today. Two is very gettable. One, you know, as long as you don't miss left, you're, you're making birdies. So I just, I, it just looks like the pins are, were set today for guys to go out and get them. And uh, the players that understand how to do that, I think, are going to – like I said, I just think there's some numbers to be made out there. Scores are going to be lower. Well, as always, we love it, and we will hear you guys uh, tomorrow morning, uh, Real Golf Radio, Saturday mornings oh, yeah. on the Zone Sports yeah. Network. You're up Thank early you. on Saturdays, aren't you? We, uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we wish we were back there this week, and uh, we're hoping that 22 will be uh, resuming our, our normal spot back there. But – but we're, we should have a good one. Jeff Babineau uh, is one of our uh, favorites. He's a veteran golf writer. He's been there in Augusta all week. He'll join us from Augusta as well as uh, we're expected to be joined by Boyd Summerhays, Tony's coach. And, uh, of course, the caddy will be with us. So it'll be, it'll be fun. We'll be breaking it all down and have a good time 6 to 9 tomorrow morning. All right, 6 to 9 right here on the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, thank you very much. We appreciate it, Brian. Brian Taylor, it. Bob Casper, tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. DJ and PK, we've got your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK had to duck out a couple minutes early, which I think really is for the best because now we got people tweeting positivity at him, and I just don't think he handles that well. It kind of messes with his uh, mental mindset that the world is against him, which is what he needs to get through another day. So thank goodness he's not here to all this positivity surrounding him. What do you think, Yaki? Break out in hives a little bit, you know, just start scratching his arm. The red welts would start raising up. Probably a little thing on his neck, you know. He probably doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Robert says, thanks for getting. the auction talked about, I can't believe more people are not aware and not bidding. Help retweet when he posts today's item. Joe Ingles has got a, uh, a fundraiser going. Uh, you know he's all in on autism. He's talked about it many times. And, uh, you know, his son's struggles have been quite the story. And he shared, he and his wife shared a lot of them. I don't know if they shared all of them, but they've shared a lot of them. And so he's got the auction going if you want to help out. They've got 10 items up. I don't, uh, honestly... I didn't know about it. I don't know why I didn't know about it. Maybe because I was out of town last week. That was probably it. All right. So I just saw it. It's on Instagram now. What is it? I went to the charity, but you go to charitybuzz.com. It's got a keyword there. search. Just search Ingles and you'll find the auction. I see 10 items, 10 items up. What have you got? What's the okay, new one? As of 12 minutes ago, he posted this auction item number nine is live. It is a signed jersey from Super Bowl champion himself, Mike Evans. Oh, okay, I do see it, but I cl- it didn't click it. Okay, got it. I thought it was going to go top left corner on the website when I clicked new. Uh, Mike Evans, oh, that's why he said Australia won't necessarily get it. 
His Australian followers won't, but the U.S. will. There it is, Mike Evans, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, autographed jersey. It's valued at $1,000. It doesn't have a bid yet. Current bid is zero, so you can get in first. Uh, Some of the other items up, hey, you Utah State Aggie fans, Sam Merrill, a virtual Q&A with the NBA rookie. The former Aggie, current Buck, that's up there, uh, $1,000 value. Someone bid $525 on that. Um, You've got multiple Joe Ingles jerseys. Uh, you got a white jersey with the green numbers. Uh, that is framed and looking like a million bucks. Uh, value twenty five hundred. Current bid is fifteen hundred. You got a custom Black Lives Matters jersey worn in the NBA bubble. That's at forty five fifty. You got a um, Joe Ingles Q and A with Renee and Joe. That's at thirteen hundred. Uh, Gordon Hayward autographed jersey and shoes at thirteen fifty, and Donovan Mitchell autographed jersey and shoes at thirty three fifty. Three thousand three hundred fifty bucks. So there you go. If you ever wanted the, I wonder how much dirt he'd share. Mark Barlstein, longtime NBA agent. Uh, they've just got a thing up here. You can you can do a Q&A with him, a virtual Q&A with top NBA agent Mark Bartlestein via Zoom. Current bid zero. Put okay. up, up 100 bucks and see what kind of dirt he'll dish. Here, I guarantee thing. he won't give you names, but yeah. he might give you pretty entertaining stories. And he's done it for I don't even know how many years. Bartlestein is Joe's agent, obviously. Right, yeah, that's the He link. also represents a certain um, he shall, who shall not be named former jazz player who currently plays for the Charlotte Hornets. Wonder if you could get some information on that whole debacle nope. in that Q&A. That one will be off. I guarantee that one is off the But still there's like crazy stories without getting to the juiciest of the juiciest of the headlines. There's just funny, weird, random crazy stuff that happens. And he's certainly got that right now he's representing about 30 players including three all-stars. Kyle Lowry, Bradley Beal, uh, Damari Carroll, Ennis Cantor. He's got a few guys. Uh, Bobby Portis. Remember that big deal Bobby Portis had that we were all like, wow. He's probably got stories. So anyways, go to CharityBuzz.com, search Ingles, and you can go ahead and bid. Uh, you can bid 50 bucks on a couple of these new items and see what happens. You can go throw down four grand for the Donovan Mitchell stuff. Hang that on the wall. That's a conversation starter for when people stop by. And if you've got a business, think about doing this as a business, not an individual, and uh, you know, putting it on the uh, putting it on the wall. So when people walk in, walk into your office or walk into your restaurant or whatever, Donovan Mitchell gear on the wall that'll go well. All right, good luck to Joe at the auction. Uh, everybody, I, I don't want to say everybody knows somebody with autism, but it certainly seems like a lot of people, whether it's an immediate family member, a little more distant family member, uh, friend, whatever. Uh, Joe, Joe told us once on the air, he says, I've been surprised how many people have come up to me since I said this and said, oh, hey, so-and-so in my family, so-and-so. So So anyway, there you go. Uh, you can hit that up. Um, we've got a lot of people weighing in on the jazz game. We've got a lot of takes here. Um, I would say right now it's running about 80-20. Jazz fans are really happy with the game. There's 20% who feel like one out of three isn't enough or Portland is not of the same quality as the Mavs, 
and certainly the Suns, and so the win doesn't, doesn't mean quite as much. So don't have time to delve into all of them, but that's big picture. What we're seeing on Facebook at DJ and PK, on Twitter, David DJ James. Check them over the weekend. The show never stops. The stuff happens in games. PK and I will be posting stuff, and you can hit it up. All right? And uh, good thing PK wasn't here for this segment, so he didn't have to hear all that positivity about him. But good of him to bring up the auction, charitybuzz.com. Search Ingles, and you can put in your bid, and uh, helps help more with the, uh, the autism research as uh, everybody works on that going forward. That's going to do it for us today. Hans and Scott are up next. Stay with us.